this week on Agitator Z. Patreon.com slash agitator. To me, it's always been bigger than whatever. Like during the Trump years, part of it was like, how do I give some avant-garde credence to whatever sort of like counter mainstream liberal narrative is actually taking place you recognize that's a trap door you go somewhere else you know but it's always about building a kind of movement or a space for others because that's that's what makes art fun you know art is supposed to be like an escape from the mundanities of day this is why art during the trump years was so fucking terrible because it yeah. was like it was just all structured around these societal signifiers and these master narratives and threatening. And that's not what makes it good. Like, I want to think about a hot dog wearing a powdered wig, like in outer space, you know, commit with, with psychic powers. Like, that's what I want to think about. I don't want to think about society. There are certain things you just kind of have to navigate. And that's basically it, you know, it's, it, I can't always control what, you know, what's going to happen with, you know, extraneous things. And they came to me and I platformed a lot of it. So, but you can always sort of like decide, well, the air is sucked out of here. Where else can I travel to? Like, what else can I get into? Like, what, what's really interesting? Like, you know, the one thing I used to ask guests when I was on the show was like, What's something that you know a lot about that's interesting to you that a lot that people don't think you know about or are interested in? And let's talk about that. Well, I'm a Nazi, huh? Okay, bet. Let me, let me go look at this guy who likes to, to fish and post sun and rads and shit. Let's see if he made, maybe there is something to what he's talking about. And then, uh, you know, you come out the other end of that, you know, that sucks too. Um, but just, there's something there's there's a little bit of truth in everything, you know. Yeah. And that's kind of what what I'm starting to look at. It's like maybe there was some truth in wokeness, and I definitely, you know, I definitely yeah. think there was a little mm -hmm. bit. You know, mm -hmm. it's like there's. That's why I always say like I'm not woke, and but I'm also like I'm anti anti woke, but I'm also anti woke. You know, to put it in like Laruelian tunes, I'm just not. You know, yeah. like yeah. I, I just reject the premise of of both of those things, and I'm looking for something that's just different. You know, it's like I'm just looking for something that's that's basically it. You know, I'm I'm just looking for something that's different. You know. direction I'm shooting in. Just anywhere over there, you're not gonna hit no neighbors. We had some targets out the other day, but we was having some fun for the new year, you know what I'm saying? But like soda bottles and shit.
Yeah, like liquor bottles and shit. Watch out for the glass, nigga. Alright, nigga, you know what you're doing. Ain't, Ain't got, got no safety, safety on it. Hi everybody, welcome to Agitator. My name is J. David Osborne and that is Kelby Losack. And if you can hear it in the background, in and out, that is Blue's Clues Big City Adventure on repeat probably the twelfth time I've heard these. It's got good songs though. I mean, I can't hate. There are, there are worse things he could listen to, I guess. I haven't seen that one yet. Uh, I've kind of tuned out some of the stuff that Rowan watches. Blue has to. Blue and Josh have to go to New York City because uh, Josh has an audition with Rainbow Puppy for a musical, and it's about uh, believing in yourself and chasing your dreams. Kind of the, kind of the motto of this show. Yeah, I think that is definitely the mantra. That's what we're we're living by going into twenty twenty three. Believe in yourself and follow your dreams. I yeah and. I think that follow your dreams is great advice. And then the follow-up advice to that is just really make sure that, that that's actually your dream. Just do do some digging. Yeah, honesty. Honesty is the first. If you know yourself and you're honest with yourself, then you can just trust your gut and go. The thing about following your dreams, though, is you gotta you, you probably got to have some balls and a big sword to go down yeah. where it's going to lead you. <laughs> yeah, if you want to even the odds a little bit. If you like to play the lottery, you don't have to have any balls at all. In fact, all you got to do is is pay really good attention to other people's balls. Make sure they're nice and clean. Make sure they're squeaky, shiny, a nice lavender scent on them, perhaps. But you don't have to have any at all. You can just put yourself in a position where you wash people's feet and carry their water and cry and you can do that right i'm just i'm, I'm not disagreeing with you. i'm just saying that there's there's that too yeah yeah there's that too that's the i don't uh, know anybody like that though i'm not aware of anybody who acts that way so i don't know 2023 uh i don't have any ops i just got uh ghosts all my ops are ghosts yeah so i'm just like no, I don't know anything but positivity. I only know people mm-hmm. who are killing it. That's all I know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The only way you talk to your ops is through a Ouija board. Yep, because they're dead. That's right. That's right. absolutely the film that we're talking about today is High and Low, not the nineteen sixty three Akira Kurosawa film. You might think, hey, agitator. These two guys are well-educated, well-spoken. Their knowledge of film history is rivaled by few, surpassed by... uh, I forgot what I was even saying. Anyway, my point is is that you'd think that we'd be talking about the Kurosawa one. No. No, There's a Kurosawa movie called High? As a matter of fact, uh, there is because I was looking up High and Low today on Google because I wanted to steal, uh, you know... Uh, plot summary and cat like uh, things other people had said and pretend mm. that I said it, <laughs> but I I couldn't find 
anything. And it's on Netflix. It's not that this is a hidden uh, underground whatever. Oh, it's, no, it's uh, huge. It's huge in Japan. This is one of those... We got in on the ground floor in America on this because I, I swear, like I tried different search keys. The most I could find, I could find the fandom wiki. So somebody who could speak enough English to just kind of put the basic, like here are the albums as they came out. Here are the band members. Uh, uh, we'll get to what I mean by band members in a second since we're talking about a movie. Um, but there's nothing, no lore no real history i'm pretty sure that a lot of that shit hasn't been translated yet now you might say david uh google chrome has a built-in translator why don't you go to japanese sites that would be a great question but watching this movie um (laughs) watching this movie from 2016 called high and low i i felt that i was witnessing uh, something something great something great something at times crushingly boring oh my uh, god yeah <laughs> and kelby tell the people uh how you watch this movie oh right my, my, so, man, my man don't have netflix so so i used to steal rios's netflix but mm-hmm. netflix doesn't let you steal anymore Nope. Um, nope. They sent us the message. They were like, "Who's who's this?" On is like, "Is this is this you?" And Rios was like, "What do I do?" And I was like, "Well, what if you just said yes?" She said, "They'll start charging us an extra fifteen a month." And I said, "Then no." Then the answer is like, <laughs> "We don't know who that yeah, is." <laughs> yeah, yeah, You know, I would approve of that decision. Mm-hmm. It's gonna charge me more. No, no, don't do that shit. <laughs> no, no, no. I'll just, I'll just pirate this movie on an Indian site that has no subtitles. I'll just do that, which so, is hilarious. This that's is how I watched High and Low the movie. Maybe the worst way to watch it because it is on Agitator. We like to play to our strengths, and as you guys know, Kelby and I are really good at remembering Japanese names, uh, faces, <laughs> yeah, and uh, we're able to follow plots very closely. I, I think our capsule blood. summaries. I think our <laughs> I think our capsule summaries are some of the best in the business. Uh, I'd stack ours up against any of those other movie podcasts that that do what we actually do. I've noticed but, they steal what we say on Agitator and use it for letterbox summaries. Mm-hmm. Which actually for this one is hilarious. Let me just pull this up. Since I was like, oh, I was like, okay, this I was a to- good idea. Yeah, that, that's a good idea. Letterboxed, yeah. I was like, okay, I need some kind of understanding of what I just watched. Uh, and then I went to Letterboxd and was like, this is no help at all. Um, mm-hmm. So this is, how it, this is how it's put, exactly. Sword Chiku is a devastated and dangerous town with five gangs. Seno, Rengokai, White Rascals, Oya, Koko, Rude Boys, and Daruma Ika fighting fiercely the name sword mm-hmm. comprises of the first letter in each of these gangs i have something um, to say about that real quick um, how these are japanese words how does it spell sword well it's well i mean there you can Isn't, use the roman alphabet to spell out japanese stuff okay in japan damn yeah. lucky it's not like we can mm-hmm. use their alphabet to spell out anything cool. oh no that's fucking illegal bro catch you around here using that gibberish 
I'm not here for that shit. <laughs> but uh, uh, okay, and the rest okay, of it yeah, Be- yeah. before <laughs> these five gangs, the legendary Mugen gang dominated the town. Mugen and the Amamaya brothers, who did not submit to Mugen, clashed, and Mugen disbanded. But and that's that's the summary. Like they just gave up after that. Like, <laughs> You know, so I uh, I cannot remember how I found out about these movies. I know that there was an article. If you sent me the link to this and you're listening to it, drop me a DM and I will, bro, I promise I will remember to mention it in the next episode. But I read this Polygon essay, which Polygon is one of those sites. It's like Jezebel and Kotaku and like one of those really poorly edited kind of trash websites yeah yeah but um this article talks about how there's a there was a band in japan called exile and they were on the l d h label right which i think stands for run to house but uh (laughs) it does you're right yeah because yeah. Japanese. Uh-huh. But so basically the um, this exile group, so the leader of this band was named Akira. That's, uh, fuck, I was about to say his name, like you know what the fuck their names are. But uh, Kohaku, who's the guy with the crazy blue eye. Yeah, right? yeah. Uh, so he was the original boy band leader back in the day. And the way that this worked, I have all this. Shit, it's in my notebook. This is what I get for not coming prepared to just this specific episode and none of the other ones. Fuck. Alright, here we go. I've got it now. Got it with my... Did I tell you I switched to pencils? I'm loving these pencils. Yeah. I got an old school sharpener. Interesting. So yeah, is it... It's, it's not like a... What kind of pencil is it? You said it's some kind it's of special a, pencil. Well, no, it's a Ticonderoga Dixon. I mean, it's pretty pretty standard. It's black. I wanted a golden bear, but they didn't have them. Okay, so Exile Tribe is what happened after Exile. Because, okay, so here are the bands that came after Exile. Exile the second. Great Sandaime, Yep, Sandaime J. Soul Brothers. Better name. Gener- Generations. Mm. The Rampage. Best name. Fantastics, Ballistic Boys. Nope, that's the and, best thing. And Gekidan Exile. So these are all the bands. So this is a this is a band uh, dynasty, clique, collective crew. Apparently very big in Japan. I mean, I think they one of their albums got to number eight on the charts. So pretty decent. I don't think they ever had any number one hits, but they had one album that got all the way to number eight. Yo, Generations is all these old dudes. I'm looking at them right Mm -hmm. now. Or no, it's literally Generations. Damn, that's where the name comes from, I guess. Oh, so Generations, the band, is because it's guys from different generations of Exile Tribe connecting. Oh, okay. That makes a lot of sense. The Rampage is like the, the Wigger group. Right, right. Is that the one, like the ones that were in red? I Is think so. Like... The uh, okay. Wh- which ones were those? They were the Dharma Ika. 
Ah, uh, right, right, right. And they were the ones who dressed kind of like uh, in Echo, basically. They yeah, they're Echo. basically Echo. in Echo where In Echo hoodies, yeah. Um, and so you have these groups, and then at some point along the way, they decided that they were going to branch out into a television show, uh, a kind of a soap opera about different generations of biker gangs clashing with the yakuza in they it's called sword city in the netflix translation which uh, i don't know what was the word chiku chiku sword that's chiku? what letterbox said i didn't mm-hmm. i don't know where that comes from because in in the japanese version that i watched without any english interference they they kept saying sword yeah yeah so <laughs> this is so funny <laughs> i can't believe you watched this shit with no fucking subtitles. i'm gonna try to uh, before you tell before you give the rundown on what happens yes, i'm gonna yes, try to yes. say what happens yes let's do just a little bit more setup so that we so that we're we're doing this this justice so there was there were two seasons of this show and there are just dozens and dozens and dozens of characters so everybody who's been in exile tribe like plus extra people uh it, it, like the the band members just pop up everywhere there's one of the band members was like the evil chinese guy and then there's one who's like the evil korean guy uh like they're all in these i don't know if they're actually korean or not but the point is is that eventually they got into making these these movies and they made seven of them netflix has them netflix uh put them all out and there's something called the road the road to high and low which could give you a sort of two-hour synopsis of everything that happens in the show i did not watch that because i think with subtitles again uh you actually get enough uh backstory especially towards the end which i fuck i cannot i can't wait to talk about the last 45 minutes of this movie (laughs) it's one of the most insane insane things i've ever seen put on put on film uh, I mean that in a good way too, but also in kind of an excruciatingly boring way. <laughs> yeah. So go ahead, Calby, hit us with what what happens in <laughs> what happens in High and Low, the movie. All right. So once upon a time, there was a biker king called the Mugen, and I knew that because it's spelled in English on their jackets, and they also say it like more than anything else in this movie. Uh, okay. That consisted of the blonde-haired kid who ends up in the, I think the Seno Ringo Kai. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, so he, I take it, made his own gang when Mugen disbanded. Um, mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. Well, uh, it's it's actually a little bit easier to follow than you would imagine because. There's so clear. There's such clear distinctions between each gang. Right so there. I was kind of watching, like, okay, I get it. The dirty, the dirty poor ghetto kids. They're the rude boys. The you know they're the feral children that look like they're not eating. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. The Dharmaika or the Echo fucked hoodies slash like they have their headquarters as like some kind of Dharma meditation place or something. Uh, yep. which I yep. thought was funny. Um, 
but the the gist of it is they might be at war with each other maybe not <laughs> I could, uh uh-huh. yeah, yeah yeah because they all come together at the end to go against this other gang mm-hmm. that might be a, a yakuza did you catch what that gang's name was because they say it in english uh mighty warriors that's right yep yeah. Mighty warriors. Yeah. So basically, these new these newcomers come in, try to take over, and all of Sword is like, no. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and then finally, at the end, there there's fighting, but up mm-hmm. up to that, it's a whole lot of somber moments and garages of people being like Akatu Gozu Gotai and then being mm-hmm. like Akino Lakadoshi Kakakai and then be yeah. like oh Shamare you spoke Japanese Kameamea uh, <laughs> Alright so that's good. That's good. Let me fill let me fill some things in here, right? Uh, so Mugens is the initial biker gang that kicks this whole thing off. Uh, they do have uh, blonde guy's name is Cobra. Talk. Oh yeah, they say that in English too. That mm-hmm. And uh, <clears throat> the other guy's name I can't remember. But basically, what happens is uh, the Mugen's disbands for some reason that happens in the show that I'm still not entirely clear about. But there's three main friends. In the A guy Mugen's died, band. right? Is that why yeah, they disbanded? Yeah. Well, it's not. Well, he he was giving it up to begin with, or he didn't want to give it up, but his friend was telling him like, just leave the life behind. And then somebody sends a hit out on him, and it ends up killing his friend and putting his other friend into a into a coma. And this makes him become evil. So what he does is he goes and uh, he finds out that it's the Kuryu group, uh, which is like in this universe, it's the Yakuza they ordered the hit and you you see the scene with the yakuza right like where they go to like talk to him and shit yeah that's the yakuza trying to get them on their side but they're like no we're not doing that so instead of doing that he actually links up with uh the korean mafia who's trying to move in on uh it's called the nameless city which is where the rude boys live they're trying to acquire that that area so that they can build a casino so it's you know it's a big like land deal thing they want the the gangs out and they essentially enlist the mighty warriors and also like all these kind of black suited yakuza warriors to try to get sword out of there and um so that's the setup plot the big fight takes place uh it's not the it's not the end right like the the big the big centerpiece fight of the whole thing which i thought there was so there's two fights there's one with the, the yeah with the i was gonna boys. say there's kind of two yeah, and I thought that was badass. I love the glass in that. Oh my like this, god, yeah. Okay, so there's three, right? Because mm-hmm. there was that big fight. That was in the daytime, and then they came in and broke it up with the cars and shit. Mm-hmm. And then there's the one with all the sword members, and then there's the one with the main people. Right. That's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So so the one with the rude boys, I thought, was... Uh, re- well, all the fighting in this is really impressive, like... I don't have it like they're really good at 
making this movie look like kind of a hype Williams music video. It looks like Belly, right? A lot of yeah. it looks like Belly. Um, yeah. And it's hyper stylized. It's it's kind of light on the on the writing front. I mean, it's a lot of soap opera dialogue and platitudes. Okay. Just not... See, especially in the like Yakuza group where there was mm-hmm. so much body language going on and like I really had no idea what the fuck was happening because they're just talking back and forth and I was like, okay, I'm mm-hmm. lost. But uh Yeah, so the the Yakuza's are trying to get Mugans on their side. They're like, hey, we we want you to unite swords so that you can work for us and he's like I'm gonna, I'm gonna kill all of you instead, and then I'm gonna, I don't, you remember that one guy blows cigarette smoke in his face, and uh-huh. so, so that was basically him just kind of like flopping it out on the table, being like, "Yeah, I don't work for you, you work for me," that kind of shit. But um, so the fight, the guy, the really dusty dude, his name is Smokey, and uh, it's so awesome. Like basically, the nameless city gets attacked by like a bo- somebody sets a bomb off. And everything's on fire. And the first time you see Smokey, he's just like standing in the flames. And it's like, okay, let's go. There's not like a paranormal element to the movie at all. I, oh, that part was cool, huh, Bubs? Yo, why are your pants wet, bro? What is this? Oh, it's spit because you've been chewing on your shirt. Okay, no worries. Well, this is not pee. We're good. <coughs> but, um, it's spit. It's not pee. Yeah. Uh, where was I? What was I talking about? Oh, his shirt was just wet because of how he's been chewing on it. But I thought it was P because he, like, hit me in the face with his crotch. And so I was like, hmm, I sincerely <laughs> hope that's not urine. Uh, but no, it's just spit. Uh, so, you know, at true to form, you know, something we talked about on the show before that makes these movies cool is that, like, there can just be little rule-breaking kind of for no reason just because it looks cool. So he appears in the flames and uh at one point he fights a dude with a machete and that guy never comes back again uh as far as i know i never saw him again um and uh there's just a great a great sequence where part of the trap because they're fighting with all these shipping containers and trash and shit is that the bad guys all start throwing bottles on the ground making like all this glass and shit and so they get into like a a bottle throwing war but there's a great bit where uh, Smokey starts like wrecking shop on people by like kicking the bottles that they're holding like into their faces, and like the impacts in this in these fights are really well done. I think like, there's some really good kicks to the face and shit that look good. Yeah, there's a lot more kicking too. Like at first, I was thinking, oh, this is gonna be like Crow Zero, but Crow Zero is real visceral and like realistic street fighting, and like yeah. this is like everyone knows top level kung fu. Same but, fight director, though. That's crazy. Really? Crazy. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. Mm-hmm. No, that makes sense because it still felt impactful. It wasn't like mm-hmm. high-flying, like, uh, you know, superhero-style roundhouse kicks and whatever. It was like mm-hmm. hits are connecting and you're seeing blood and feeling the, you know, using the environment to hit people against and break ladders underneath people climbing up them. like you can feel the impact whenever these people drop and on like mm-hmm. a it, and it's not a uh, like something like what was that one the night comes for us was that a was that a fight yeah movie? that was a fight movie it was a badass fight movie too. yeah that it was. was uh that was from was it the philippines that did that movie i think i think I so i think it was philippines 
or Polynesian. Mm-hmm. I think it might have been a Polynesian movie. They came out with a new one on Netflix. We might have to watch for Agitator Z called uh, Big Four. That's uh, it's like a com- comedy action, but it looks brutal. Anyway, sorry. Go ahead with the night comes oh, for but us. Like, brutal. But like the night comes for us is like that uh, that over the shoulder. We're gonna be right up in it kind of style. Yeah, like this is kind of like the raid. Yeah, this is like zoomed out. Mm-hmm. Chore like dance choreography, but brutal visceral and it's real impressive that it's not all close up because it's zoomed yeah. out to the point where you're like at one point they did i think it was smoky actually did a certain move and i was like mm-hmm. wait how the fuck did he do that like mm-hmm. I- i'm i'm watching the full motion of it right and mm-hmm. he's basically flying through the air and then flipping and kicking this person like can can this dude fly like i mean I they kind of can they kind of can yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah no the fight choreography is really good because you mentioned all the zoomed out shots if you ever like look into the background uh everybody's doing something you know what i mean like everybody's received their orders and it has to be a massive undertaking to get that many people to all it's like little individual karate fights like hundreds of them going yeah. at the same time I feel like they had to have been hitting each other too because it's like it's st- there's no cheap quick cut shit right there's one shot where not Cobra but the other guy roundhouse kicks somebody in the face and that shit looked real to me like <laughs> the way that fool's head bent back I was like cause they, they train themselves like how to just pull back and then the person knows how to just pull like both of them know how to just pull back at the right time to make that shit look real but that it has one of the best kicks to the face i've ever seen on screen it's in that second battle uh he just gets the dude like really good like somebody throws him into his foot or something like that like it's like when they're uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. double teaming him like he, he like one guy pushes this dude into this guy's kick and i saw that i was like god damn that was good but there's a lot of uh you know sort of drone footage where it'll be following a fight and then the drone will like jump up 30 feet in the air and you'll see a fight on top of a shipping container and then it follows along the shipping container and then back down again uh really impressive technical achievements i thought i thought the fights were pretty incredible you know um and then we get to the the end to the last the last fight and uh the movie does something that i've never seen before I've actually literally never seen this done in a film before because I got to it. I'm on Netflix. The movie's two and a half hours long. And that, that, that middle fight scene ends at about, at about two hours. Right. So there's still 30 minutes to go. I'm like, wait, what the fuck? How like, what, what else do they have to do? But it's the final fight. Right. So it's the fight between Kohaku, the, the crazy eye guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, it's not Sukamoto. It's like, fuck. His friend, uh, right? Uh, yeah. And yes. Cobra. And Cobra and uh, other guy whose name I keep forgetting. <laughs> so it's a, it's a, it's a four, four-way battle that begins between just the two old friends. Um, and then the two youngsters come in. And if we'd watched the show, we were supposed to get the impression, right, you know, that these, you know, you would have watched these guys together for two seasons, and you see Kohaku, who's become 
completely obsessed with getting revenge for his dead friend, who is willing to join up with this Korean uh, mafia just to get at the Kuryu group eventually. Like, he doesn't care if he has to take out all of Sword just to get vengeance for this one guy. So basically, the whole fight, Kohaku just beats the fuck out of everybody, right? It's It never turns, really, in anybody's favor. Like, I never once felt that, like, the quote-unquote bad guy in this fight was, was out of his element or at losing control of the fight. Like, he gets hit, sure. He gets bloodied up or whatever, but... He's just like record shop on all three of them. Wearing a very gay outfit too. Like boots and leather pants. And <laughs> oh shit. yeah. I think that's kind of to that to Akira's uh, taste. Like in general. I looked up some pictures of him and he seems to have this like gay cowboy kind of aesthetic. I fuck with it. I thought he looked good. But um, basically what they do that is so alarming is that they, they keep flashing back during this fight right so you'll see uh these three guys just getting their asses stomped and they'll be yelling things like come back to us don't do this we love you and then (laughs) flashback five minute backstory flashback to the fight please stop hitting us we love and this goes on dude for so long that I actually started laughing at about the sixth or seventh flashback. Because no lie, there's there's ten flashbacks in this ending fight scene. Yeah. And they all last between two and three minutes. And they're all like quiet and slow and just filling you in on like they're giving you all the backstory on the back end of the movie. At the end I've of never, the movie. <laughs> I've never seen that happen before. Never in my life. I've never because like you you don't have any context for these characters if you've never seen the show. And then at the end you get you get the whole story. Um, <laughs> such, a move, bizarre, such, such a bizarre, such a bizarre structure. Move. Yeah, because even imagine yeah. you watched the show and knew everything, mm-hmm. and then you watch this movie and you get to the end and you see stuff you've seen before. I guess it has the payoff where you're like, oh man, I've, like I've watched all this shit. Like imagine a berserk if like during the the rape under the crimson moon like when the god hand shows up if like mm-hmm. if during that there was just all these flashbacks of the golden age arc or something yeah yeah you'd be like hmm he needed some filler and uh looks like he looks like he filled that in but yeah one of the most uh just insane things i've ever seen committed to to film especially in the context of an action film because there's just there's not a whole lot going on. Akira, my man, my boy, he's, he doesn't seem to be a fa- great actor. He's like a huge over-actor. He's got like Jim Carrey face where, you know, somebody will be like, remember who you are. You, 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 you're our, you're our daddy. And he'll be like, he'll be like, ah, 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 like with his mouth wide open and tears and snot streaming down his face. And he'll be like, and but he but that keeps happening you see what i'm saying like that keeps that's not the emotional peak of the scene that just happens every time right uh and the guys will be screaming and it is kind of it is hilarious because each time they're progressively more fucked up and their faces are just becoming more like their eyes are getting swollen shut and you'll see clips of him just like stomping on their spines and twisting their necks and doing stuff that would would kill normal people 
and then they stand up and they're like but we still love you and he's like <laughs> flashback hospital bed why would i want to go on a bike ride with you you're not my friend <laughs> well you think you're not my friend but we'll be friends soon enough <laughs> like that <laughs> <laughs> this movie is like a live action anime basically yeah 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 man it's fucking great but the the over i mean it looks great i mean i thought that the uh i thought that the club that they played at with that weird geodesic looking face in the background looked really cool i liked the oh the club uh, scenes are great yeah they they go off dude with like the hd cameras and you could see like every little bit of confetti and uh, I like the weirdness of the... Oh, you'll think this is funny. So you know those uh, the gang that's like all dressed in white and their leader has a grill and uh-huh. like a, a, a white fur coat? He kind of looks like T.O.P. from the from the band uh, <laughs> Big Bang. Uh, but his, his, his catch line is always like, uh, come on, we must protect women. Like that's what he says before he goes into a fight. <laughs> okay, this is actually... You reminded me of a question I was going to have for it. What is the deal? What is the role of the women in this movie? There is not a role. Like not, none. None. Because they're in it, kind oh. of. Oh, it has one of the most anticlimactic like rescuing scenes ever. Because uh, Smokey's sister Lala gets kidnapped by this Nosferatu-looking dude who's going to basically sell her into human trafficking, sex slavery, right? Goddamn. And and. Uh, at the end of the movie, like after this huge battle, it's got, this is another funny thing. After this huge battle between these these four guys, uh, and they win and they go out and everybody remember this scene. Everybody's cheering and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Um, and then uh, the Amayama brother, who's fighting the mulatto fellow with the blonde hair, um, he he kind of goes like they're like, hmm, I guess the fight's over because. You know, we're not getting paid for it anymore. So until next time, blah, blah, blah. So they do all the celebrating, right? And then they're all doing their Star Wars, end of Star Wars, like Jawas dancing or Ewoks dancing or whatever. And then one of them goes like, well, I guess we better go save Lala. (laughs) (laughs) And then it's completely anticlimactic because they just open the container that she's in and they're like, hey, you're safe now. And she's like, okay, all right. That's it. Like they don't have to fight to get her back or anything. Like they've just been keeping this poor girl in a shipping container while they've been celebrating, and then they're like, "Oh, right, 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 right." Forgot yeah, because that that part. Okay. Wow. Yeah, it's just a tonal thing. Like, because I was so confused. I was like, "What am I missing?" But I, I wasn't really missing. I didn't know about the sex trafficking thing, but like, as far mm-hmm. as her being kidnapped and then their reaction to it, I was like, "This is." Yeah, it just is very anticlimactic. It just seems very secondary. Like, even when she gets kidnapped, the guy, like, walks back in. He's like, well, they got her. And everybody's like, oh, all right. So to save the city, what are we going to do? Um, and there's another... So the subplot, again, also with the Amiyama brothers, I think the next movie on the list focuses on them specifically. But there are these two brothers. One of them is kind of, like, goofy, and the other one's serious. But I guess they're like these kind of legendary figures in the city who are, they're kind of like Ronin or whatever. They're just like two badass warriors who flit in and out of the story randomly. Uh, but basically one of them, there's a subplot in this movie that's already jam-packed with, I swear to God, 40 characters who all get lines in this movie. 
but they're they're jammed in and he, he gets like his bike stolen because he like saves this girl and she's like oh you should take me back to your place and he's like oh, what all right let's go and then while his back is turned they steal his bike or something like that but um and that's kind of all they're really there for they also come in and like semi help sword I guess they do help uh, Sword kind of save the day, like in both of the big fights of the movie. But that's what I got. That's that's what I got for this movie. It's uh, I recommend it. I say check it out. It's it's very unique. Yeah, yeah. It. it I'm not sure if I'd recommend watching it the way that I did. <laughs> yeah, don't do that. Would you say watch it first? I guess. I mean, I don't know. We haven't. It's the only thing we've watched, but. Well, there I found a I found a torrent of the show uh, with subtitles. I don't know how good the subtitles are, but it exists if you know how to Google right. Um, so you, I mean, you could watch that first, I guess. But I don't really. My impression of it is that you you pretty much get, I mean you're gonna be missing. So like the movies branch out into like crazy sub stories, like you know the the kid with the dreadlocks. And like the the, yeah. little, the kind of mi- yeah. minor henchmen, like they get their own movie that's like a comedy with with no fighting at all. Oh it's just hell like a yeah! Like a uh, like a Jay and Silent Bob or something. Exactly, exactly. So this is like, and this is what I wanted to kind of moving away from talking about the movie. This is the kind of thing that I think is so fascinating because this universe of Exile Tribe, it's music. It was music first, and then they moved into the TV show, and then the movies. And it has since moved into manga, anime, and even mobile games. So it's this full extended universe of these characters that, as far as I can tell, uh, they're not superheroes. They don't have anything special about them outside of them being teen pop idols. And it's such a interesting way to, to kind of, you know, I've been talking on the Patreon a lot, uh, patreon.com forward slash agitator, about, about world building, because mm-hmm. it's something that's been fascinating me. And, you know, you can get, like, the, the show has a main director, and then there are... It's, well, it's, it's like American shows, right? It's like a showrunner, and then the directors who do the episodes and shit. But uh, it is just kind of this, uh, this intricately plotted, every character kind of gets its time. So, I mean, fuck it, maybe. I mean, maybe if you watch 20-some-odd episodes of the show, maybe the movie, like, really hits, because you've spent time with these characters, and they've been developed in other ways. And that's why I, I, when I was talking about the plot, I did mention all the fucking characters, but I can't dig it for, because this is like a fan service movie, right? Like, it's it's ideally been made for people who've been following the show. So it would be like, I don't know, watching, I, well, you can watch Twin Peaks Firewalk with me without watching the show, but you see what I mean. It, it'd, it would be, be the X, it'd be kind of like X watching. Files movie. Yeah, or The Return. It'd be like watching The Return without seeing the original Twin Peaks. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. But um, but yeah, no, that kind of world building is just really interesting to me. And it seems like just something that they decided to fucking do. Like, hey, yeah, this is the direction we're going to make. Oh, yeah. I don't think because, there's been a video game yet, but... Well, you can see from the release dates that it was like season one came out in October 2015. Season two started up in April 2016, and then the movie comes out in, in what, like the next month or something? Yeah, right. yeah. They, yeah, they had it all made. They had it all ready. It was all, it was all planned. 
And uh, the, like I said, they have movies that continue this sort of main plot. Uh, I heard that in the the proper sequel to High and Low, not the spinoff Amiyama movie, but the the proper one, just like a, a random magical samurai shows up and starts fucking sh- like an actual samurai. Um, so it's got elements of magical realism that are just like sprinkled, kind of the way that you and I have always done in our books. Right. Like our, our books aren't magical realism and they're not surrealism, but they just have those little moments where you're like, wait, why is this albino dude with shark teeth and pink tattoos? Like, why is he showing up in this bar? It's like, I don't know, because it's fucking kind of cool, right? I mean, it's weird. You didn't <laughs> expect that. Yeah, because that's pretty dope. <laughs> this is where my, my head's been at with like, thinking about the samurai jesus thing and it being this probably for the rest of my life running series basically every idea becomes a part of this universe now like you build a world in which your head is gonna stay in for the most part and everything that you create goes into that so there's gonna be spin-offs that are just comedy and like nothing else going on and uh then there's gonna be the big payoff shit, and then there's gonna be like long soap opera esque like arcs, and then there's gonna be like big action craziness, and and then maybe a mobile game. <laughs> yeah, why not? At a certain point, why not? I mean, Eddie even invented a device so that we can cross over universes with all three series that we're doing: Howl, Dying World, and Mercy. So it's yeah, like at that yes. point that would just that could just get fucking crazy, you know. Like we could loop back and have you know Kentaro show up in in Mercy or something like that, you know. Because you're tying that in, right? Mercy's tied into the Mercy's Samurai ti- Jesus. Yeah, Mercy's tied into Samurai Jesus. Uh, mm-hmm. Not to give too many spoilers for a book that just came out, but there's a bloodstained district in the city of Samurai Jesus from the events that occurred in, in Mercy. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that this whole idea of having a huge project has been something that normally attracts people who do, I guess, kind of hard sci-fi. Um, soap opera, yes, and also high fantasy. You know, you'll see people who have like these Bibles and they tell you like, yeah, this is going to be like fucking... 20 book series bro and i fuck with that i like that i I like i like that idea i like one big work because it kind of feels like both of our writing journeys started in the same way which is like we started off just kind of writing whatever and then we got really close to home and we wrote several books in like the world that we actually live in and now we're getting to our 30s and it's like okay let's write something really fucking big Let's write something just huge. Yeah, yeah, but you know, Berserk started to unlock it for me, and then, mm-hmm. and then you and Eddie being like, "We're gonna write series," was the I was like, "Okay, now I get, I have to do it now because the homies are doing it." <laughs> yeah, but it's a, it's one of those good peer pressure things. It's uh, I think Berserk might have been what unlocked it for me too, especially when I looked. And enjoyed uh, when I was enjoying Berserk, and I looked up Mira's bibliography. I'm like, "Well, I got to see what else this dude worked on." And it's like three other things, like three other other short things. It's like, "No, the right, it's all Berserk. Like, that's his story." 
Yeah. And I was like, oh, okay, I fuck with that. I fuck with that. Because, like, anything I want to do, I could just I could just put in this world instead. It's like, oh, I want to tell, like, a, you know, like a Western. I could do that. Just have people with guns in their hands. Like, that makes it, that actually makes it better. Uh, space opera? Sure, why not? We could have a spaceship. I'm fine with that. That's, mm-hmm. fuck it. If it calls for it, we, we can go out into outer space. There's all kinds of shit. You know, imagine when Berserk was coming out and you're experiencing it in real time. You think it's like this kind of medieval, you know, uh, not really Game of Thrones, more like a, you know, just kind of medieval, gothic, maybe Gene Wolfish kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And then it gets into fairies. It gets into the the you know old school folk folk tale shit and then it's like demons and hell and and then it's like it's got esoteric shit it's all over the fucking place but it's in the the same world and like it feels coherent but you gotta imagine reading right from the beginning you don't know it's gonna go to all those places and see, I don't think he did either. Although he did have plans, right? So, the, which is what they're following now. But <clears throat> the one, the one thing that I, I ran into when I was talking about my uh, world building process for Dying World is uh, uh, I found this website called World Anvil. Thanks to Jay, by the way, for showing me that. And it's like a, a software where you can develop not just your world, but also the. You know the different families the different tribes the clans the kingdoms all this kind of shit and i mean and that that's all cool to me too but i think i think it's kind of cooler to just do the command and conquer method where everything's a big black blur and the further out and the more things that your characters experience the more the lore of the world grows i have to imagine that that's the way something like dark souls was developed just slowly you know it's like where do we go now oh this place is called blight town what's its deal it's like ah, it's really fucked up everything sucks in blight town. it's like okay cool yeah i can rock with that yeah and, and you know it's instead of writing yourself into a corner of being like oh man well i wanted there to be this big bustling city but i started with this post, post-apocalyptic dystopia it's like we'll just go outside of that yeah. Just take a road trip into a big bustling city. It's like, yeah. oh, this like, oh, existed. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, it did. It did. It existed. It's like <laughs> saying, like, uh, you know, like living in Oklahoma and being like, damn, if only there were other places. What? <laughs> the fuck, are you talking about? Like, you could just you could drive, you know, like six hours to the west and you're in the high desert. It's like, um. No, but this world is like Oklahoma, though. It's like, that's the way the world is set up. (laughs) I I gave myself kind of a cheat, but also kind of more of a challenge with Samurai Jesus, because the way that time operates is it's constantly on this Mandela effect. It's like time is always in the process of being Mandela'd and uh, mm-hmm. so it's kind of one of those things where I can do whatever I want and then just be like yeah this is how it's always been 
and just retcon mm-hmm. shit that I've done before, but without, like, I've got to walk a tightrope doing that now because I don't want to do anything cheap. But I also think it's yeah, a really yeah. cool, like, it's a really cool gimmick that I that I want to implement. But it's like a sort of a cheat because for little things, it's like, what do you mean? There's always been three moons, like. Yeah, 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 yeah. Instead of like a a moon to hit the earth and yeah right. no, i i like that too because uh yeah you could just say that there are some scientists somewhere who were fucking with a, a d wave or something like that and now the mandela effect is out and in full effect and again it's one of those things where it gives you leeway where you don't want to i think that like where things get crossed over in continuity unless you're a super nerd and this is something that actually bothers you which i don't know what to tell you i'm not smart enough to make that work but if like you don't want to repeat names <clears throat> i think repeating names is pretty bad like you don't want like a a, a jack white and a jack black unless they're like a duo that that kill people right and the but like you don't want to repeat names you don't want to uh well i don't know repeating names is just the biggest one for me like you don't want to have like a mika and then seven books later you have another mika show up because that's too specific that was one of the things with uh letting out the devils that was a good call that you were like you gotta change one of these characters names because they're too close to yeah i think it was even like like they both had the same first letter and you were like that's what it was yeah yeah, you're like there's not enough characters for them to have the same first letter in their name yeah yeah people make this mistake all the time when they're writing books because they'll the rebuttal to that would be like well in real life i mean people have the same first letters of the name all the time and uh well got news for you though it's not a, it's not real it's a but it's a book also and, it uh, makes sense cool. because you kind of take things in letting it wash over you and like imagine there's a an ariana and an what? an amethyst which isn't a name but whatever mm-hmm. um could be you're you're like you're gonna get those mixed up because they're too close yeah yeah it's too close it's basically when you read at a certain speed even if you don't read at a certain speed i mean i think the human brain just does that right like they see we see the capital letter and the rest of the name i mean the names uh the, the way that it looks is really important for a character like you can't have a you know like a beautiful princess and name her like spike that doesn't quite work <laughs> but or you could whatever but it, it would be you'd be knowing what you were doing and i think that so like the naming of characters is important but and i think it's so important that you don't even have the same first letter of two main characters certainly not right like you can't have like a steven and a sam as the two main characters that doesn't those i know those names don't sound the same but trust me you you want to you want to switch that shit up? Yeah, unless you're doing something very specific, like Keaton's The Last Projector, that had mm-hmm. Billy and Bully, and then it, but mm-hmm. that whole book was about like doubles, like about doubles, do, yeah. doppelgangers and mir- yin and yang, and past and future, yeah. like all that kind of shit. So, I guess there's like Amos and Andy, but those are two. That's a hard and a soft A, so it's different enough. Maybe I don't know. Every rule can be broken, but you can just feel it when it works or not david's uh uh, jdo's editing service is so much of this and it sounds weird because sometimes people ask like well what do you do to fix the book and i'm like 
I don't know because I haven't read it yet. You just kind of have to trust me. And then they um, do. It's yeah. bizarre. And it's I've, like, and then yeah. I come back and they're like, oh, yeah, this is great. Like, because it's all about, like, I, I go to the book like I'm, like I'm a reader, right? And all, literally all I'm doing is just making comments that I would make if I was reading the book as a reader. That's it. There's no rules. Yeah. I give people options because I don't really advertise being an editor, but I've had several people come to me over the years want me to edit some shit, and uh, that's I'll I'll throw it out there because I'm I'm autistic about like line editing. I can line edit like a motherfucker if that's what you want me to do, and I'll tell them, look, if that's what you're looking for, I can do that. I've got an eagle eye for this shit, like I can do that, but Mm -hmm. I. Like, as a personal philosophy, I don't really believe in that kind of editing. I think, mm-hmm. really, what, I would, what I'm trying to do is find where your voice is in this and just pull that out and be like, mm-hmm. hey, th- this is the thing you're trying to do. I found it. Now do this for the rest of the book. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, one second. I gotta get my, my phone is going to die. had to go steal the charger but yeah and, and for some people you know i've seen how uh, big pro editors work in new york and and that's really cool uh in its own way because for the most part eh, not 100 percent, but for the most part those people know how to turn like some real dog shit into best well you, you are you know what i'm thinking you know what i'm thinking so like they they know like those people they they know what they're doing and there is a certain kind of skill that can take almost fucking anything at this point i i believe that they can take anything i mean like snooki had a book right and it's in english and you can you can read it you know uh but like they uh there is a type of editing and i don't know maybe if i wanted to like expand my business or whatever i could try to get good at this but there's like there are things that they look for that i don't look for because to me that doesn't make a book better um but they know the rules about what quote on like what normie people like so a big a big example of this is like if i if high and low is a book and the ending was like this i would keep the length because i'm like clearly you're trying to do something here with the length but i would just i would find ways to like my solve for it would have been to find ways to work humor into it right like one of those times when they're getting their asses kicked by this dude i would have had at least one of them fart or something you know what i mean like i would have i would have mixed it up like just a bit um so Whereas if you were looking for like, okay, what makes this the best movie? Somebody would come in and be like, cut this shit the fuck out. Like, what are you doing? Like, this is insane. Like, you can't, you can't have a 40, like a 45 minute ending right. fight with this yeah. many flashbacks. Yeah. The, the rules versus the meeting it where it's at. Yeah. There's no, value in both depending on what you want to do, right? I mean, there, there's value in both. Although I will say that a lot of books that I've, I've worked on have become... Um, big books so yeah sometimes sometimes the two overlap award-winning even but it also you know that helps whenever i know the ones that you've that you've edited that have gone on to be real big and uh Mm. 
Those come from good writers to begin with. So true, true. Yeah, yeah. I can't really take a lot of the credit for so. Yeah, like I, I worked on a Stephen Graham Jones book. It's like, yeah, that's not me. That's that's not that's not David's editing skills that did anything to that book. That book is just good because that guy's good. Well, I wouldn't but, even say that. There's, I mean, you know, it's not one or the other. Because a lot of my books, you've barely touched. All of my books, you've barely touched. Mm-hmm. But I think mm-hmm. what you've done made it like gold. Like, imagine you didn't do those things. Yeah. All, all of my yeah. endings would be different. All the endings would be different. David David Simmons famously is like, yeah, he added a Tamagotchi. That was <laughs> that was that was my. It. There's like little things here and there, but I'm like, bro, right here, he's got to have a Tamagotchi. And I love that he, shit too. When I was reading it, I was like, "This is great." You put a fucking Tamagotchi. Like, in like here. of course he needs a Tamagotchi. And I'm like, "See, yeah, see, it's not, it's not worth it." Like, if that was my only edit for an editing client, I'd feel bad. But it's usually not, right? And it's just because I think that I don't know, man. I don't know. If people are coming to me in the first place, they they know there's something wrong with it. If there wasn't anything wrong with it, then they wouldn't come to me. You see what I'm saying? Like, if, if they just, like, banged out a draft and they were like, okay, this is pretty much perfect, they could just send it to beta readers and, and go from there. But if they're if they're asking for my services, it's all feeling. Again, I know this sounds hokey, but it's fucking true. There's just a feeling to books, man, where you could just, you know something's wrong with it. That was what was driving me crazy about Dying World. I was like, like... I'm having so much fun writing this, but it feels like every time I sit down, I'm like, this is not the like this book's not coming out in this form because something's wrong. And then you figure it out. It's always something stupid. And you're like, ah, right. Got it. Nailed it. Yeah. It should have been cyberpunk. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, right. It's supposed to be cyberpunk the whole time. Well, that's about an hour. That'll do it for the free show. Um, we're just killing it over on the Patreon, and I feel like um, we're sticking to our guns about uh, you know keeping the free stuff uh, good and not phoning it in. But I mean, like the sauce is over on the Patreon. Our new episode, we had uh, Barrett Abner from Contain come on to talk about Finpunk, and uh, you know I left that conversation feeling good. He said he like he, he was like oh. Like that's what I needed in my life today. So it's got it's got the sauce. It's got the juice. That's mainly what the yeah. That's mainly what the Patreon is is sauce. And because of um because of patron interaction, that's kind of the direction we're heading more with it. You know, mm-hmm. people finally. Mm-hmm. I said it on the Barrett episode uh, that we've been a best kept secret that a ton of people listen to and nobody talks about mm-hmm. so it was like we didn't know what was working but behind a paywall people are like oh I can express how I feel about this show uh, <laughs> yeah. now that we're in private <laughs> now, now that we're in private yeah. Uh, yeah, I can sue we're... you if you dox me I'm sure yeah. because of Patreon's privacy policy <laughs> Yeah. do they have a privacy policy? what is their privacy policy? Oh, I don't know. Of course they have one. I just, I, I didn't read that shit. I was just yeah, like, so I'll they, just... They got like, every time there was a new Town episode, they, that shit would just go up on Reddit. They'd be like, here's the new one. 
I'd be like, God damn. But I guess those guys probably wouldn't care about that shit. Anyway, but yeah, no, it's been uh, really good to interact with people and be able to, man, like the emails I'm getting from people. And I always ask them, like, how did you find us? And they're like, I have no idea. I have to assume it's like searching for the movies. It's that we probably talk about. just searching, yeah. I would imagine because that's got to be how so many anime heads are into. Like, this is another thing we brought up on the Barrett episode was like you would think through parasocial yeah, like relations there'd be a lot of agitator-contained cross-pollination, but mm-hmm. there's there's not. Like no. No. There's a little bit of perfume nationalist cross-pollination. Not as much as you'd think. Not as much as you would think, no. Because a lot of them, they want to listen to perfume and gay shit. And that's, yep. that's cool. And they show, up, they show up for our Jack episodes and, like, nothing else. They're just like, okay, I got, I got to hear, uh, you know, I already listened to Jack for eight and a half hours a week. But he's on this show for an extra two and a half, so they're like they're jack completists and god bless them <laughs> but, but they're uh, not agitator completists so i love the ones who are i love those are the ones who get it the agitator yep. completists they fucking get it we'll figure out you know we'll we'll figure out how to uh as anti-label as i've always been we'll figure out how to pitch the show to people because that's our biggest hurdle it's such a perfect show that you just have to be able to explain it to people and they'll be like oh word yeah i need to check that out yeah i think that also just i think that just what we're doing is pretty much i mean i think that there's this temptation we were talking to barrett about this today too so sorry for anybody who's subscribed and it's getting double sauce but this this is good for the free one too uh i i think that there's like a temptation to look at at you know your first week your first month numbers and make judgments about what you're doing right or wrong based on that and if you look at our first week it's great our first month is always really good um but now that we have 70 this will be episode 74 uh now that we have 74 episodes you know when i was looking for like how to solve the mystery of why we had 23,000 downloads in a month uh it was the fucking crow zero episode from a year ago literally a year ago Mm -hmm. uh that's just for whatever reason is one of our most popular episodes and i have to assume it's just because nobody else talks about crow zero like there's just no other podcasts about it and if I had to guess, a lot of the fans who have stuck with the show found the Crow Zero one. I don't remember. I mean, all of our shows are bangers, but I have to assume that maybe that one was particularly funny or something. Uh, we like the Crow Zero one. I remember Crow Zero specifically because it's that like place memory. I remember where I was, and I was sitting in a uh, a dirt parking lot of like a rundown gas station a little taqueria and uh all these like construction workers and cops pulling up to get their tacos and shit i was on my way to san antonio recording in the car and we were talking about immigration and Mm. fucking uh our dad shaving their balls Oh, wow, your memory is better than mine. I do remember, now that you mentioned it, I do remember the immigration talk now, which w- would have been a good one because it was a very nuanced conversation. 
about uh, about that subject and i think that <clears throat> but i think i guess just the overall point is that you can't uh if you're making one of these you have to think long tail uh back catalog body of work type shit and um again a hundred episodes from now we'll have a huge back catalog with a bunch of movies that haven't been covered on any other podcast and uh, people will slowly trickle it. And some people, of course, will find the show and be like, oh my god, Jesus. Because they'll stumble on an episode and it'll be us being like, saying crazy shit or whatever. <laughs> it'll be but, Tetsuo uh, 3. Uh... be Tetsuo 3. They'll be like, I wonder what they say about that. And it's just us being like, fuck this fucking dumbass movie. But, uh... Well, we fixed but, yeah. the movie, at least. We, yeah, fixed we, the, we fixed the movie, read what podcast we were into, and said, I'm voting straight ticket Republican from now on. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've, got a, I've got a memory for our... I don't have memory for a lot of shit, but I've got memory for our episodes. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's better than mine. What, I don't even remember what I remember. It's just fucking random. I don't even but, remember uh, what I remember. Yeah. I don't. My dog right now, is, I had to put a cone on her because she's, in her last days, she's begun to mutilate herself, and uh, so she's got a cone on. And she's always done this whenever I've had to cone her for, like, injuries or whatever. She just starts, like, trying to knock shit over in the house. So she's, uh, I'm catching her, like, going after the vacuum cleaner and the Swiffer and the and the mop. Like, she just, like, beelines for them, and she's like, I'm gonna fuck shit up, I hate this. It's like, well... You know, I, I don't like you bleeding all over my floor and mutilating yourself. I just have a just have a peaceful last couple days. You know what I mean? Like, just enjoy enjoy the McDonald's cheeseburgers that we're getting you, and uh, just just be at peace because uh, it's almost lights out for this thing. <laughs> She's getting close. Cheeseburgers for the last meal. Mm-hmm. Well, she loves them. She loves that shit. Like the her, that's like, that's that's gourmet. But uh, yeah, well, I guess that'll do it. That's a good hour and five. Everybody, go subscribe. Um, we uh, we've got we've already got. It. Oh, by the way, to add on to just the point that we were making before, like the same shit will happen with the Patreon too. Like we've had was it like 200 300 percent growth on the patreon this month or something it's been crazy yeah yeah it's it's been nuts but like uh that will also happen like with the patreon you know with like long-term listeners who are reticent after there's like 50 of those they'll be like all right we'll give them five bucks i'll give them five bucks for this that's like <laughs> thank you 